Save the drama for your grandma. <laughs> I need to read all the recaps! We waste hundreds of man hours every year. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that is needed now more than ever before. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. You asked me to engage in a relationship with a young man my own age. <laughs> I did. <coughs> and I'm sick of you reading my autobiography and acting like that's the same thing. <laughs> oh, you were so inspiring. All fire and passion. <laughs> that's a weird relationship. We're going to get into that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of weird relationships... <laughs> We have a guest today. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, Molly. Uh, our guest today is co-host of the podcast Failure to Launch. Please welcome Molly Sanchez. Yay. I like Thank it when you. I introduce a guest like I'm on a stand-up show and like I hold for applause. <laughs> but, like there's nobody here. Right. No, ha- so happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. There's, there's, you know, there are going to be people all over the place applauding, you know, on their commute. I assume and, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people laugh, they cry, they applaud. <laughs> when they're well, listening to they podcasts. Re- yeah, they react in many different ways. It's exciting. <laughs> yep. what, a, what a world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> Where our reactions are tied to technology. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, I'm ready to talk about this bullshit show. Yeah, <laughs> so you more preamble? are not a fan of The Crown. Nope. Why? Why? Why are you not? Well, I want to love all things you guys love because I care about you. <laughs> um, and I'm not opposed to princesses, uh, but I. This is so fucking boring. Nothing <laughs> I nothing happens. And you were we. I was texting you about this, Kelly, and you were like, "No, that's just how Britain is." And I'm like, I've seen British people fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I know it's a thing so and no British people fuck in this show and that's what I was waiting for the there's whole time there's the implication of fucking mm. I'll tell you what I could write an article about because I've only watched the episodes that you asked me to watch so <laughs> I've only watched one through four um, and I tried I tried as deliberately as possible to not make you watch oh, God. too many additional episodes no. <laughs> and like I could write an article about all the times I thought people were going to fuck and they didn't so like there's uh, I think two episodes past this where she where uh Margaret's like crying with uh the other group captain, group captain and then she gets on her knees and like okay here <laughs> we go but nothing and then when they're in Africa and mm-hmm. she's like oh I don't want to do it right now and then they start doing it and then they get interrupted because there's an elephant outside <laughs> boo boo that happened that's boo boo remember when that happened on our honeymoon yeah. <laughs> JK it was actually just chickens running all or over the lepers. island of Molokai yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that's no where you went lepers anymore no. on Molokai just yeah. their colony. Oh. I mean, people still live down there, but... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I think this show is boo-boo, but I'm here to talk about it. All Great. right. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I would clarify, I, I don't think it's official policy that we love this show. I don't Do you, think it is. It's I think not? We were, I mean, really, we were just so relieved that it was a show <laughs> that was, like, good um, on certain levels. Is it? Okay, so we came into this off of Mr. Selfridge Season 4. Which was so unbearably bad. But you guys like that show. It just we just did degenerated. We used to. Yeah. Like yeah. we really liked the first two seasons, and then mm. in the third season, it went way off the rails. Mm. And then by the fourth season, I mean, it was just it was like, why? Why did somebody not just say, "Hey guys, you know what? We really don't have to do this anymore." Yeah. 
Like nobody actually cares about Harry yeah. Selfridge. <laughs> wow. There wasn't like an entourage crossover at any point. I mean, I mean, on that, our podcast, yeah, yes. on our podcast, it definitely was. And given that, like Jeremy Piven can play one character. Oh yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but it was just you know, so like seeing something that like has like well written dialogue and thoughtful shot composition. I mean, look, Molly. There's worse out there. There's way worse out there. I was like, you have a podcast about failed pilots. You know yeah, there's that's worse true. out there. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But some of those are good. Well I'm sure some of them are, yeah. Some of plenty of things is good. That's, <laughs> yes. That was like a very Orwellian things to say. <laughs> right, that's but not as good as all things are good, but not some are not as good as others. Yes. <laughs> no, I like that. Some of plenty of things are good. Some of good. plenty of things are good. Things. College just, dorm um, poster. When you're editing this, can you just send that to me? Because I feel like I need to make a collage <laughs> of around that audio phrase. collage. <laughs> no, like a like a you know like a vision board. Oh, okay. Thing. Yeah. I love uh, Kate Willett's joke about that. Like her vision board is just Dick and the Comedy Central yeah. logo. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom, Same. what was your response to that joke? I don't remember. Well, when Tom heard that joke, he said, uh, the Comedy Central logo is just a bunch of dicks. <laughs> Zing on Comedy Central. Oh, yeah. oh. Well done past me. Yeah, past you. <laughs> past you before you like stopped going to all comedy shows, which is not a decision that I can fault you for. Right. Uh, oh, you had, you had some real zingers. <laughs> all right. Well, let's dive into oh. this so Molly can continue expressing her bafflement God. and disgust. Sure. Uh, so we open on Mount Batten. Who is Doctor Who, right? Yeah, that's okay. Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, he walks out of an airplane hangar like he's in fucking Top Gun, and I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> oh, he's I so ha- cute. No, he's not, Molly. In this show, he it is. It is a I lie think. perpetrated on you by the UK. <laughs> that he is at all the track. No, he's got that little squishy face, no, and he makes little face... micro expressions, <laughs> no, and you see his like, butt. He looks, I don't care. About, I can see a butt any day. I can oh. probably see both of your butts if I ask very nicely. <laughs> oh. Could I please see your butt? No. I have a rare butt deficiency. <laughs> <laughs> my doctor says I need to see at least two a day <laughs> now rub them together uh, rub, rub your butts together rub your butts rub, together rub your butts together <laughs> that was rub and your butts together that's how Anakin's disease was cured <laughs> Wow. Uh, One scene in, and that's where we're at. All right. Uh, by the way, I drank a lot of caffeine before I got here. <laughs> oh, did. oh, I did. And I usually don't. So this is going to be fun. Fun times. Fun times with caffeine. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll end before I get into the <gasps> panicky stage. <laughs> oh, boy. It's fine. Just give me spaghetti if that happens. Ooh. I love spaghetti. I love spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti is my favorite thing. Wow. Yeah. Samesies. Uh, so he's in the plane. Okay. So he he is there going for his very first flight lesson with group captain Peter Townsend. Very and uh, they go on a very showy first flight lesson. Excellent like cinematography it. of the beautiful English countryside. Mm-hmm. That I like. Yeah. And uh, they get up in, you know, to whatever altitude and group captain Peter Townsend turns control over to Mountbatten. And he's like, mm. you are in control. He's like, I am in control. Then Liz pops up and she says, we are in control. <laughs> uh, JK, that doesn't happen. That's very like Monty Python. <laughs> uh, so then group captain Peter Townsend turns the engine off and they're just like gliding. And they both like that. It made me so nervous. <laughs> I know. We well, I mean, I don't know anything about uh, flight. Right. Well, I know you. Despite I feel going like to school at Wright State <laughs> University in Dayton, Ohio, the birthplace of aviation. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, I just—it just seems counterintuitive to me to like turn everything off. 
in the air. <laughs> yeah, I assume they had that engine for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's for flying. Yeah. Yeah. It's for keeping things aloft. Yeah, but uh, they they make small talk about how many people Group Captain Peter Townsend killed in the war. Uh, he says one or two, and I'm like, that's a pretty casual yeah. answer. Yeah, but I sort of feel like that was in 1953 Britain. <laughs> that kind of conversation was basically like, "What's your major at or, college? Yeah, or like, like how's the funny. weather? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, do you know anybody in this part of town? <laughs> uh, yeah, I killed yeah, two of yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. I don't. So uh, Mountbatten shares our anxiety. Uh, because he suggests that they turn the engine back on because the <laughs> ground is looking frightfully close. And uh, group captain Peter Townsend says, nah, brah, we're, we're too close to the ground. Doesn't make sense. We're going to do a dead stick landing. Oof. And uh, they do. They're fine. Yeah. Uh, group captain Peter Townsend knows his way around an engine. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cafe. <laughs> and uh, once they're grounded, Mountbatten says it was great, and he has to go again, and group Peter Townsend very reasonably suggests that they go the following week, and Mountbatten's like, no, tomorrow. I'm a child. <laughs> well, honestly, yeah. what the fuck else does he have it is to true. do? <laughs> no, and, and again, this is the thing, like... When I went into this, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the monarchy's fine when a woman's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the, the longer that I've watched this show, I'm like, this is terrible well, for everyone. This is terrible needs- for the taxpayers. Yeah. It's terrible for the royal family. Like, they're just, like, so committed to the idea mm-hmm. of the monarchy. Which, I mean, you know, I can't even, like, fault them, per se. But it's just like, hey, get woke, royal family. <laughs> like, Well, he just needs, like, a lot of activities to do during the day to, like, tire him out. By yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll just be up all night. He'll be up all night. <laughs> I mean, that is like my favorite part of this is like in every episode, there's a scene of the queen saying, Oh, my husband's in a terrible mood. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm like, well, maybe he's just a bad guy. No, like, he's not. He's, <laughs> he's antsy. He's so bored. I would be so bored. Well, the other thing is like he kind of, you know, he fought and maneuvered so hard to get where he is. Mm-hmm. And yet he doesn't want what he has. Yeah. Well, but it doesn't. He it's wants- like a Zen parable. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he's not allowed to go armying or whatever else he was doing yeah. before. Navy, navying. So that's why he's you know, in antsy. the navy. Yeah, you can be the prince. Yes, in the navy. <laughs> so that's why he's restless. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I understand that part of it, and I guess that's the thing to me. But, like start a blog or something. I don't well, know. I mean, they didn't have blogs oh, back then. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, but I mean, they're so curtailed in their personal freedoms because yeah. I, mean, I just remember, like, this sounds so juvenile. But, like growing up, I was like, man, I want to be like a princess. You can do anything you want. And you know, the older I've gotten, the more I've studied various uh, oh, yeah. things. The more times I read the royal we. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that. Yeah, you did. Everybody heard about that. Uh, I'm like, oh wow, like you actually don't get to do hardly anything. No, and no. you have. Like, be like a virgin where you get married and you can't show your cooch when you get out of the car. Yeah. Like all that is fun in life. <laughs> you cannot do. It's true. I mean, there was a period in my mid twenties where I was definitely showing my cooch getting out of cars. Yeah. And like nobody cared. I no, wasn't who famous. Ca- who's gonna die? Yeah. But I mean, what a nice breeze. <laughs> lovely. Just lovely on the old, for the on circulation. The old waves. Yeah. The old waves. <laughs> oh, just flapping in the rustling so then, <laughs> then we get to uh mary of weather on top of the, the building uh playing with the weather vanes i i had no idea what was going on here 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're going to learn a little bit about it later Ooh, on. Yeah. We mm. might. I don't know. Yeah. I'm so San Francisco. I was like, oh, is she checking the beehives? <laughs> 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 but she was not, unfortunately. God, I'm going to miss civilization, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> First they came for the bees. Oh. <laughs> and by they, I mean... Us. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's... This... Again, they, they do a lot of like, uh, stylish, like, stuff and shot composition and editing. And, you know, there's this whole, like, we follow the charts through the corridors and everybody looks at the charts and is like, whoa, send these charts to somebody more important. And the more important person is always like three feet away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how fun. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that I may be getting ahead of our discussion, but I love how the villain in this episode is the mist. And the fog. I mean, yeah. like in the, the movie, whole thing like a horror movie. In the movie, I... the mist. The mist isn't even the villain. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's the villain in the mist? Other people. <gasps> <laughs> Turns out it's man. <laughs> Actually, it's like Marsha Gay Harden, but whatever. Yeah, she's villainous looking. Yeah. Like, have you seen? She's too young. No. <laughs> <laughs> she uh... man, if she had just taken a more liberal approach to human sexuality, yeah. I don't think her daughter would have gotten. Pregnant with gonorrhea or whatever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Touch butts. <laughs> no, she's too young. <laughs> Much like the Pope. I can't. That I show can't. sounds boo boo too. Okay, I saw it and like apparently the ne- so I watched the pilot for Borsgore and Swords and it was mm-hmm. super weird. I but heard. then like the next two episodes apparently, I've heard from two dudes that I'm friends with that like maybe it's fine. Um, I mean, I'm still kind of skeptical, but it's also at the at the same time, it's like, what else am I going to do with my life? You know, <laughs> not watch the young Pope. <laughs> like, what, who do I think I am? <laughs> You're powerless in HBO's clutches. Basically, <laughs> they've gotten me before. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the warning finally gets to the chief scientist, which is a pretty uh, cool title or whatever, and it's. Or, and his boss actually tells him to write to the prime minister, so he does, and uh, we see it going off to the prime minister. And uh, then we see a policeman <laughs> stopping a car, and it looks like Jimmy Carter is in the house, in the house, in the car. In the, yeah, in the car house. Uh, but actually, it's the royal doctor, and like we've seen this guy before right. multiple times. Yeah. But I was just like, who the fuck let Jimmy Carter in here? <laughs> hey, y'all. Why does he look so old in 1952? What business could a peanut farmer have no, in the it's, UK? It's Jimmy Carter playing the part of the royal doctor. He, yeah. You know. What? Slides. He really you know, has nothing to do. He left the church. He has just been branching out. Yeah. He's like, oh, all, the, all my humanitarian stuff is doomed anyway. I've always wanted to act. That would be great. Yeah. Rosalind! <laughs> Get my agent on the phone. Uh, so the, the royal doctor's treating Mary of Tech, and he wants to open a window, but she says not to until they finish rehearsing her funeral, which I feel like is being a bit melodramatic on her part. God, old right. ladies fucking love drama. Yeah. My, I sent my grandma a text. Because she has a, a or Christmas ornament that's shaped like a, a apple core, and I saw on the street the other day a Christmas tree with a real apple core in it. <laughs> so I sent her a picture, and I was like, "Ha ha! Look, it's your ornament in real life." And she goes, "Oh, 
when I go to the great beyond soon, you can have that. <laughs> <laughs> like, Grandma, we were not talking about Grandma's your eminent you demise. Because when we moved here, my grandmother, this is, uh, what, eight years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like eight years ago, we were like hanging out with my grandma for the last time before we moved out here. Mm-hmm. This lady has cheated death like so many times. She's had like two strokes. Her heart like froze or something. Not her heart. They froze part of her diaphragm during bypass surgery. Goodness. Um, Anyway, so she's like, when I die, don't come back from my funeral. I think she thought she was going to die sooner. And I kind of would be like, is that because I don't want to come to your funeral necessarily, Grandma. Like at this point in this political climate, like I don't think I need to be around right. your children. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, old ladies, uh, full of drama, full of drama. Save the drama for your grandma, <laughs> as Mary of Tech does. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's it. That's a, that's all of that scene. Right? Yeah, that's all yeah. of that scene. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really short scenes in this. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> but you know it's British TV, so it takes way longer to describe Lord. than it does to watch. Yeah. Oh my god! Which is pretty much the thesis statement of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother! All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, what happens next? At uh, Downing Street, we see a guy receiving the report that was sent to him, oh, and he good. like tucks it into his jacket, <laughs> so he's some kind of weather spy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is apparently a thing that it says. He's a double agent. He's working for the fog. <laughs> Damn it, the fog had an insight made. <laughs> Lord. Yeah, and uh, Venetia Scott is there and helping get the cabinet Who, ready. Did we talk about Venetia Scott yet? So Venetia Scott is this blonde chick. Oh. Who's okay. in love with young Winston Churchill. It's I know, I was weird. getting a little we vibe have, of that. We have a lot of questions about that. I don't know what they were thing. implying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, why would you imply something that needs more explanation? Right. That and really that, requires it. Yeah. And that's also just distasteful. It like, is just distasteful. <laughs> why? Like, ugh, like, why would anybody have a boner for a Winston Churchill <laughs> and b specifically giant Churchill? <laughs> right. As portrayed by John Lithgow. He's, other than uh, Matt Smith's booty, he is my favorite part of this show. Wow, I just feel like your opinion of this show is like diametrically opposed. <laughs> That's why I'm here, actually, baby. Tom, Tom had a different opinion of this episode than I did. Because oh, okay. I liked this episode, and he did not like this episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love the two things I've seen John Lithgow in this year has been this as Winston Churchill, and then also as a voiceover in a Progresso soup commercial. <laughs> so he's all over the place artistically. I wish he was doing that voice over as Winston Churchill. It's all chicken and noodles and vegetables and the British public. It's so weird. I don't know why they're like, you know who could sell him some soup? Johnny Liths. Let's get him on the horn. You can eat it on uh, the beaches. You can eat it on the field. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so so we see then a Mr. Thurman and a Mr. Collins meeting in a pub, and one of them, okay, and it, like I think I figured out eventually which one was Mr. Thurman <laughs> and which one was Mr. Collins. They're really the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern <laughs> of this episode. Wow. So uh, if I'm wrong in the future of this recap, if anybody knows, let me know. Yeah, they mm. may not even know. They may not even know. So one of them hands the other one the report, 
And he's like, hey, uh, we never get any warnings about the weather. This is very weird. Does the name Denora mean anything to you? Nope. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> just so- I, Denora just sounds like somebody you'd have like a really ill-fated affair with. Ah, <laughs> uh, I remember the summer and I sent to And they call the wind Denora. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of do. As yeah, we're actually, uh, that's saying. a good yeah. point. We're about to see that. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Clement Attlee, he does remember oh, yeah. Denora. That's right. I forgot his name. So I just wrote him as the prime minister, Mr. Prime Minister who lost. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh. is fair. Uh, yeah. And so Denora was a small mill town outside Pittsburgh named after somebody's mistress, we assume. Did um, you say she was uh, a steel town girl on a Saturday night? <laughs> Presumably. Uh, and they had a freak anti-cyclone, which, uh, which you know, I don't get still. It is. I just know that it's, it rotates the opposite direction of hurricanes and tornadoes. Ooh, weird. So it like spews stuff instead of sucking stuff in? Is that what we're supposed to assume? I don't think so. I think it just, I mean, the effect will. Well, the effect would be because if the, if the pointy part, I'm very good at weathers. <laughs> okay. Right. The, the pointy, pointy part, part is up in the sky, so it's pulling oh. whatever's already in the atmosphere down. Okay, that makes more sense. And trapping it there. Yeah, that makes more sense. uh, Given what is about to occur. (laughs) I think this show is a cyclone because it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Not that fun. (laughs) You know what? Uh, I don't have a very sophisticated. <laughs> Anytime a stand-up comic uses the microphone or the microphone stand is a dick, I lose and- my mind. Oh. I am like, ha, 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 and I've seen it oh, a million geez. times. <laughs> Everybody does it, but I'm like, oh, oh, here we go, here we go. <laughs> like they're shaped kind of the same way. Like it's yeah, the I same. It. <laughs> Icky. <laughs> So that's okay. So that's yeah. what an auntie cyclone is. <laughs> yeah, I like that you called it auntie. auntie. Like this is my auntie cyclone. <laughs> that would be a she great is name. a force of nature. Uh, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Yeah. So they explain that that weather thing. Yeah, and that it <laughs> and that it's deadly. Okay. Uh, and a prime. There was a report about it that apparently the prime minister threw away because it wasn't a priority. <laughs> He does play off a willy-nilly with everything. Yeah, he really does. Or I guess that's just the, you know... I feel like this show does not paint a very sympathetic portrayal of him. Yeah. I'm curious what, like, modern-day... Uh, British people. Sentiment is toward yeah. Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. Well, as the greatest generation is dying off <laughs> and young people are like, hey... Wait a second. Uh, like, yeah, we were the good guys in World War II, but, like, on a spectrum of what? Yeah. yeah. Well, the only thing like, that... better than Nazis is not... <laughs> so, well, more often Nazi than Nazis... that great. <laughs> well, the only thing that frustrates me about this is everybody's like, why isn't the Prime Minister doing anything? It's like, he's not Storm from the X-Men. Like, what do you want him to do? I don't know what the fuck he could possibly I mean, do I to get rid of this fog. I think point is he's not addressing it. Okay. Um, and I mean, like, cause he obviously shares your opinion. Right. <laughs> right. He's like, it's just fog. <laughs> well, I get that it's a problem. I just don't know what he could have done. Like, they want him to go outside and just go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is a bit of a windbag. Like, use him as a human bellows, I guess. But I don't but, I mean, get he, it. Like, their point is we need to announce that we're going to do an inquiry. Like, the right. public just want some kind of indication that the government uh, is doing anything. Yeah, I guess. Which 
There's also such a thing as a government doing too much. Yeah. <laughs> I am exhausted, you guys. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I am exhausted. My gosh. And I, I am a white person. <laughs> I can only imagine how not white people feel right now. It's uh, not fun. Yeah. Not fun, Kelly. Yeah, I, I can report. <laughs> we brought you on specifically so you were like, as a non-white person. As a Latina, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Winston Churchill. <laughs> Other than he likes progresso soup. <laughs> Well, uh, who doesn't we did really? see him eating soup in the first or second okay. episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I will say I love, uh, are we here yet? I love him sitting in the bath. <laughs> that happened in That's uh, very luxurious. the second episode. I oh, think? that are, no, no, the first? That, this happened in this one where he's shifting his weight in the bathtub. No, no that was a different No, one. that was a previous episode. Yeah. All right, that was the second one then. Yeah. But I feel that real strong. <laughs> <laughs> I love drinking while bathing. <laughs> then never mind. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, they, uh, Churchill had said that they needed to keep burning coal to give the illusion of a solid economy. And so, you know, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern want Attlee to, like, take these stolen records and throw Churchill under the bus. But he's <laughs> like, uh, that doesn't sound great. Uh, but then one of them is all flattering and was like, you know, you're so great. You would be so awesome as well, prime and minister. He, he's like, you know, I'm just trying to do what's good for the country, man. <laughs> Yeah. And he, I mean, he's reasonably convincing. Yeah. Like, man, I wish every public servant was so <laughs> selfless, even if this guy isn't really selfless. <laughs> all I want anymore is just the appearance of selflessness. <laughs> Remember this when is he... how far, <laughs> how far my political idealism has fallen. I'm like, could we just get somebody who at least, like Barack Obama was great at pretending to not be evil when he was doing evil shit. I was like, ah, drones, like, ah, it's just, Amazon's just going to deliver stuff. They're not going to kill anybody. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to our first recurring segment, Fashion Backwards, with our own meteorological maven, Ooh. Kelly. All right, guys. I am really excited about this because meteorological... Okay, I also want to point out, (laughs) in the typing of this recap, I misspelled meteorological so many times. When I tried to tell Tom that that was happening, (laughs) I mispronounced meteorological. (laughs) It's a a rough word. It's a hard thing. But meteorological history is fascinating. Really? Uh, Yeah. Primarily, to me, because we have not been doing it very long. Like really? the fact that meteorological science is as advanced as it is now is kind of amazing uh, because basically it was really, really bad information up until like the 1920s. So we have only had what you would consider quote unquote sophisticated <laughs> or quote unquote good meteorological <laughs> tools for less than a hundred years at this point. Um, but people started trying to figure it out around 650 BC. People were like, oh. weather's happening. <laughs> why? <laughs> why is weather? Yeah. Why is, why is cloud? <laughs> and uh, so they, uh, the Babylonians would uh, try to predict short term changes based on the appearance of clouds and uh, optical phenomena such as Halos, which, as we all know, is a very popular Beyonce song. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, by 300 BC, Chinese astronomers had developed a calendar that divided the year into 24 festivals, Ooh. and each festival was associated with a different type of weather. So they'd figured out at least, okay, different times of year equals different weathers, which is Ooh. less true now because we have destroyed the planet. Yeah. <laughs> and all of them are good reasons to party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's great. And then in 340 BC, uh, Aristotle wrote Meteorologica, uh, which is why we have the word meteorology now. Ew. Uh, a philosophical treatise. I love that, like, back then, like, you didn't even have to, like, have proof for anything. <laughs> Just like, y'all, I'm going to lay down what I think. <laughs> and people were like, wow, you think? <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so he had a bunch of theories about the formation of rain, clouds, hail, wind, thunder, lightning, and hurricanes. And just for funsies, he threw in some writings about astronomy, geography, and chemistry. Because, you know, he was a, he was a renaissance You're man. You're going to be there already, yeah. right, yeah. as well. <laughs> so he made a lot of very... Uh, good observations about the weather, which were later proved to be true, but also some batshit crazy stuff <laughs> that was totally wrong and yet like accepted as fact until the <laughs> 17th century. <laughs> I just am always amazed by like Aristotle and Plato and those. I'm like, man, people just were like, yeah, like forever. They were like, that dude. Yeah. I didn't know about he was, fake news. He was legit. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know. Oh, man. Uh, so by the end of the Renaissance, People had really figured out that the speculations of natural philosophers were inadequate and that greater knowledge would be necessary to understand our atmosphere. Uh, so they tried to develop, uh, you know, instruments to do so. The first design that we know of is the hygrometer, and that was uh, described by a Nicholas Cusa who was a German. I don't think that he invented it. He just described it. Yeah. This is all, this is all from earthobservatory.nasa.gov. So I don't know if the current administration has changed any of this. I hope not, but it's, this is really great. This was by far my favorite resource that I found when looking for this. My least favorite or most favorite, depending on what your rubric is, was uh, a timeline of meteorological history on the website of Stephen L. Horstmeyer. And I was like, I know that name. And it is a, uh, meteorolo- meteorologist <laughs> from Cincinnati, Ohio, where I'm oh. from. And the whole thing was in Comic Sans. Ew. Yes. <laughs> People in Cincinnati do not understand that Comic Sans is bad. Oh my God. They're like, it's fun. My cousin shared a screenshot the other day and it was of a like a meme in Comic Sans and I was shitting on that. I'm like, ha this person's phone has Comic Sans. How funny. And she goes, that's my phone. <gasps> <gasps> Never mind. Oh, just a big city dick. You did did her a service. She's gonna start. She's gonna start thinking. Yeah, I bet she hears it from somebody she loves. Yeah, (laughs) she used to love. Oh, I know. Uh, So Galileo invented an early thermometer in 1592, and an Evangelista Torricelli invented the barometer in 1643. Uh, So throughout the 19th century, oh, I'm sorry, throughout the 17th through the 19th century, people were like, uh. This don't work that great. And they were trying to fix it. And uh, the invention of the telegraph in the eight, in the 19th century, I always get so screwed up because I know the 19th century begins with 18. And like, my mind never does spontaneous math unless mm-hmm. it's that kind of math. Yeah. Uh, so telegraph was invented and people were able to transmit weather observations much more Ew. quickly. So they could at least start compiling data in a quicker fashion mm-hmm. um and that's when weather observing stations began to appear and uh synoptic weather forecasting began in the 1860s so that is the compilation and analysis of many observations taken simultaneously over a wide area uh so in the 1920s the radio sond was developed it was a small lightweight box that had weather instruments and a radio transmitter 
and they would be carried high into the atmosphere by hydrogen or helium filled balloons. Uh, they would ascend to about 30 kilometers and then burst. And then uh, the radio sound would transmit the findings uh, during the ascent back to a ground station. They would compile that data, share it, try to figure out what the hell's going on. I feel like that would be a good name for like a European post-punk band. Yeah, I agree. The are radio sounds. We're here to blow up your your mind. I feel like they'll be like more like kraut rock. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's just my feeling. Uh, that data is called soundings. Just FYI. Soundings oh, it's would like be a putting good name it... for like a music like newsletter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or... Except for it's also when you put something up your urethra. Is, is it? it not? Yes. I've, I've heard that and I wished that I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, but radio sounds are actually still in use today. They are launched every 12 hours from hundreds of ground stations. Whoa. <gasps> All over the world. Oh my God. Yeah. I know, right? There's one right now. (laughs) (laughs) So this up until this point has all been about just observation. Uh, There's very little in the way of actual numerical prediction going on. However, that began uh, in 1904, a Norwegian named Wilhelm Bjerknes and also a British mathematician named Louis Fry Richardson. Uh, Richardson figured out uh, a way... Working all by himself, uh, over several months, he produced a wildly inaccurate six-hour forecast for an area <laughs> near Munich, Germany. Oh, give me the confidence of... It was... <laughs> I can do that. It was, I've been doing that. It was so bad that many of the changes that he predicted could never occur under any known terrestrial conditions. <laughs> Jeez. Give me the confidence of a mediocre German part of, meteorologist. Yeah, part of why I like this is that adding to the failure of this effort, I, a six-hour predicted- forecast is not particularly <laughs> useful if it takes weeks to produce no i predict that in three hours the rain will start falling upwards <laughs> uh, in an anticyclone <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that i love is that this says courageously <laughs> richardson reported his results in his book weather prediction by numerical process <laughs> brother so he comes up with a scheme uh, how to predict weather with a room full of human computers, much like the film uh, Hidden Figures, which you oh. should go see if you haven't already. Um, but uh, you would need six, 64,000 calculators in one room. Oh, my God. Uh, in order, Nerds. In order to make <laughs> this happen. In order to keep pace. Oh, brother. Uh, so obviously, this is not great for anyone. But in the 1940s, uh, using one of the earliest modern computers, they were able to make significant progress toward practical numerical weather forecasts. And uh, a team of meteorologists and mathematicians at the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton uh, were able to come up with a lot of good things. (laughs) You know, stuffs. Yeah. Things for weathers. Um, And uh, they were led by a guy named Jewel Charney. Ooh, right? J Charn. <laughs> so he was like, Oh, remember that Richardson guy? Yeah, we can we can do that now and fuck that guy. <laughs> um, so in nineteen fifty, uh Charney's group made a series of successful twenty four hour forecasts over North America. And by the mid nineteen fifties, numerical forecasts were being made on a regular basis. So this episode is set in nineteen fifty two. So we're two years into Anybody having the technology I to gotcha. do any kind of 
really accurate numerical predictions. Mm -hmm. So I think that sheds a little bit more light and some context that might have been helpful in the episode, (laughs) Peter Morgan, um, of like, okay, so like people are not like used to this at this point they're like what you can't predict the weather that's as ludicrous as a woman wearing pants she's a witch (laughs) (laughs) um so we're very very early on in in that technology um some other milestones near to the time period of this episode is taking place Oh, and it's worth saying, so uh, weather reporting got a real boost in Britain, specifically during uh, World War One. Oh. So, I mean, it was very, you know, this was the first war where there was real, you know, air combat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it suddenly became very important, and a lot of meteorological associations mm-hmm. uh, were developed in various countries as a wing of the military. Right. Plus, they wanted to know if There's it- no technology without being created no. by the military. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, it was a, a weather guy really, um, saved D-Day because, oh, yeah? uh, they, it was the last day that they, they needed to go on certain days when the tides were right. Mm-hmm. It was their last day could, they, they could do it, but the weather had been too bad the two nights before. And it looked like it was going to be bad that night too, to the extent that the Germans assumed it wasn't happening and the lead general went back to Berlin. Uh, but the weather guy said no. He thought it would clear up, and they went ahead, and uh, you know they won. Yeah, Spoiler alert. that was nice of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, that makes sense because in 1941, pulsed radar network was implemented in England mm. uh, during World War II. So they started noticing echoes from like rain and snow. Yeah. Echoes from Rain and Snow is the name of my atmospheric album. <laughs> very ethereal. I feel like you, re- you can read about it in sound. I soundings. feel like your name is like Malsanche. Malsanche. <laughs> Echoes of Rain and Snow. <laughs> now at the iTunes store. <laughs> um, and in 1943, uh, a J.B. Duckworth <laughs> flew his okay. airplane into a Gulf hurricane. Uh, off the coast of Texas, proving to the military and meteorological community the utility of weather reconnaissance. I'm not totally sure. J.D. Duckworth, weather (laughs) reconnaissance at your service. Uh, He was on the action side of the weather spies. The first... I think uh, that's a tailspin character. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because as we've been talking about all this, all I've been thinking about is tailspin. In 1944, the Great Atlantic Hurricane was the first hurricane caught on radar uh, in the United States. In 1947, the Soviet Union launched its first long-range ballistic rocket, which is wrong because in the Soviet Union, long-range ballistic rockets launch you. Yeah, I knew <laughs> it. Um, so these basically were the first uh, photographs from space that were like, look, weather, we can see it. <laughs> Uh, and in 1948, the first correct tornado prediction happened, uh, courtesy of a Robert C. Miller, Robert C. Miller and E.J. Fawbush. These are, you're making <laughs> I up. am not making up these names. I know. You're bullshitting it's, no, these me. These are names from like that R.L. Ripple's like newspapers of old or whatever yeah. it is. Um, Brother. Uh, and then in 1953, shortly after this happens, the National Hurricane Center creates a system for naming hurricanes using alphabetical lists of Ew. women's names. So you can thank them and that year for that happening. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and Thanks the, that year. The <laughs> first, uh, the first routine real time numerical weather forecasting began in 1954. Um, so it started picking up very quickly once it was successfully done in 1950. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And the last thing is just a little brief history about the meteorological office in the UK, or as it is commonly known now, the Met Office. Because they, too, have a problem spelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like, you know what? Meteorological. (laughs) Um, We waste hundreds of man hours every year (laughs) saying meteorological. Actually, like, how many man hours have I wasted from beginning this recap to now? I was going to say, if there was one thing that would make this episode more interesting, it is a detailed account of meteorological history. (laughs) I said that. From day one. Are you, are you sassing me? Are you sassing me, Malsanch? No, no, sorry. That was the echo of a wind or a snow. That was not me. Go on. I picked it up on my radar, so I just, I have one. I got it for fun. Um, so it was actually established as a department within the Board of Trade. Uh, oh. Which makes sense prior to a world war. Yeah. Uh, they're like, you know, what are we cracking? <laughs> As if we stopped losing so many bloody ships to the damned elements. <laughs> um, so uh, the first gale warning service happened in uh, eight, eight, after 1859 when 500 people died oh, man. off the coast of Anglesey. Uh <laughs> No, and they created a network of fifteen coastal stations where visual Listen, you gale warnings. Things long, long enough. There's no. You're oh just numb to yeah, ridiculous British names. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to freaking in this <laughs> episode oh yet. Lord. And they just say these things. They don't yeah. think there's anything wrong. With it. <laughs> they think no. they're people. They, they, they <laughs> he thinks they people. <laughs> uh, so the Met Office, uh, sort of more in its modern form, started in 1861 to provide weather forecasts to newspapers, even though these were surely wildly inaccurate, <laughs> <laughs> knowing what we know now. Uh, and then they started working um, with the Air Ministry in 1919. They became an official part of the Air Ministry. And the weather uh, would be observed from the top of... Adastral house, adastral projection, I don't know, um, which gave rise to the phrase, the weather on the air ministry roof, which I guess is ah, another yes. weird thing that I say <laughs> in Britain, <laughs> as they eat their Terry's chocolate oranges oh, and use their HP sauce. <laughs> Um, and a lot of their data came from collection points on RAF airfields, uh, which is why there are so many uh, military airfields mentioned in weather reports even today. Are there? Uh, in Britain. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think if you've learned anything from this show that you don't like is that the Brits are not super into change. I guess not. Uh, um. In 1936, they then split with services to the Royal Navy. Uh, because the Royal Navy got its own meteorological services going. And uh, then we skip to 1990, <laughs> where oh, it became good. an executive agency of the Ministry of Defense in a quasi-governmental role being required to act commercially. I don't know what any of that means. Lord. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's still very much associated with the military. Mm. And, uh, you know, they had... At this point, just started uh, being any good at things. So this must have been real tough for them to be like, no, but we really know what we're talking about this time. <laughs> Believe us. I mean, they all seem really excited about that report at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. They were like, oh, we did something. <laughs> By Jove. Oh, man. 
All right. Well, thank you, Kelly. Oh, yeah, you're thanks. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I could feel the caffeine coursing through my veins, so I hope that it was coherent. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we get... Um, Oh, right, because in the last scene, I think it's where uh, Atley was like, oh, you say there'll be a fog, but right now I see stars. Mm-hmm. And then we get a whole, like, mon- you know, we get a we get a fog montage. And yeah, it's and like- it's some famous piece of classical music that I don't know the name of. And I don't even think I remember the melody now, because I want to be like... You know that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that little ditty. Um, I don't know. It was probably in like a Kubrick movie. <sighs> yeah. It was, and I don't want to know what was happening. <laughs> okay, I won't. I won't. I'm music. sure it was horrifying. <laughs> Someone got hurt. <laughs> oh, God. Man. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. So it's this operatic and cinematic shot. And uh, Churchill's in his office. It's 10 Downing Street. Right. 10? 10. Yes. yes. I cannot ever remember really? if it's 10 or 50. Um, I don't know why. 50 Downing Street is just someone's house. Right? <laughs> I just like, have a very specific form of Downing Street Weird. dyslexia. Like, no, it's a, it's a corner shop. when you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the bodega. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So. Anyway, uh, Churchill is like getting ready to go, and Venetia Scott is still there. And uh, she's staying late, but Churchill's like, hey, go home. You're no good to me, tired. I'm giant Winston Churchill. <laughs> and then she's like putting her coat on and he walks by and he's like, go home. Like he's like still there. I'm like, oh, you're like the worst uncle. Like you're like the most annoying uncle. I know. And it's like, he's like, it's like we're an alien and it's just giant Winston Churchill skittering along. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <"What?" laughs> oh, and we still haven't talked about Venetia Scott yet because right. she plays Arthur's wife yeah. in Peaky Blinders. And she also played somebody else. She also played, um, I, I think we did actually discuss it, uh, the one that came after Anne Boleyn. Uh, oh, Jane, Jane Seymour. Seymour. Yes. Yeah. Woo! I knew that too. All right. Well, apologies if we already discussed this. Yeah. But um, what we can discuss is that uh, she is, as you might have guessed, but she is not a real person. There was no such person. Oh, I was like, yes, she Scott. is. We just said <laughs> two things she was in. Right. Oh, but the the, yeah, the he never had a aide that was a lady? <laughs> I, what do you I, mean she was not a They weren't even naming hurricanes after women yet. How are they yeah. going to get a job? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, so she's like a made-up, weird, quasi-love Yeah, she's interest. a weird, composite thingy. <laughs> and odd. she leaves 10 Downing Street and walks home. And she gets up to her flat, and she's warming her feet by an electric heater. She's you know wearing glasses. She's like, oh, she's a plucky young That is like lass. how I love spending a night. Yeah. <laughs> and her roommate comes in and asks if she wants to go out. And Venetia is great in this scene. She's like, oh, you want me to go so we can like show our ankles <laughs> off to a bunch of unremarkable men, get them to buy us enough drinks so we can bring them back here and have their unremarkability confirmed to us once again? And I was like, oh, British dudes got little dicks. <laughs> Venetia Scott is not having this. No. Uh, and, you know, her roommate's like, okay, whatever. Like, that still sounds awesome to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you going to do? And Venetia Scott is like, spending time in the company of someone remarkable. Uh, turns out she's doing the equivalent of stalking Winston Churchill in 1952 <laughs> by reading the autobiography that he wrote as a very young man. Well, he should have been more careful with the privacy settings on his autobiography. <laughs> Don't give this to any of my attractive young female <laughs> Oh my god. So uh, and so, you know, we hear her like starting to like quote it and then he comes in, but it's like him as an old man. 
pretending to be look it is mm-hmm. inception out the wazoo here. <laughs> that's a pretty good quote though though mm-hmm. i don't remember what it was but yeah I it was about like hey compelled. young people get off your asses because shit's getting real which is a good sentiment for yeah. right now i i know god i don't know if it's just me like relating everything to how i'm feeling right now no but everything no, it's not. relates <laughs> well, and, like here's the question that i have because i was talking about this with some friends yesterday you know, and we're all talking about, like, I was like, oh, you know, whenever people are like, how are you? I'm like, well, I'm okay, like, considering. <laughs> but it's like, is that how people who were anti-Obama were? Because, like, I don't want to be like them. Me neither. But, but at this, like, I feel like, like, we're actually justified. But I also I know. know, like, you know, it's like confirmation bias. Right. But also, like... Barack Obama wasn't actually trying to take their guns. He wasn't actually from Kenya. Uh, mm-hmm. He wasn't exactly. actually a Muslim. Whereas these people are doing what they said they were going to do, which is all horrible stuff. Yeah. And so like distressed. nobody, nobody has any sort of complexity of thought about it. Like on the right, like right, on the yeah. left, I think it's arguable that we have too much complexity of thought. <laughs> yeah. um, it's Jeez. almost as if we need some sort of middle way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I'm just like, I don't want to like, you know, I don't want this to be a like, I, I guess it's like, I don't want to be getting played, you know? Yeah. I yeah. want to be politically getting played. Oh man. I anyway. don't know the answer. Yeah. Yeah, so if it seems like I'm getting played at any point in the next four years, can you guys just text me sure. like, bitch, you got played. You got played. Congratulations. Sounds good. Oh. Bitch, you're a liberal idiot. Um, okay, all anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think we're all drawing a lot of parallels and i'm friends with a lot of our cousins on facebook and they're all kind of in the same in the same (laughs) girls whether they live here or abroad they're like why is this happening yeah i hope they like me oh i'm sure they will you're delightful thank you they might be annoyed that you don't like this show if they really like the show but we have disagreed with them on many occasions and it's usually we got a very fiery telegram about why we hate mr bates so much (laughs) oh i like well i'll be on their side i like mr bates yeah we think he's a sociopath Oh God, maybe. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the uh, no, we'll share that in our in our special Patreon post the crown uh telegram roundup. That's so right. if you want to send us one, Ooh. email us at upyoursdownstairs at gmail dot com. That's cool. And perhaps you will have your shared and be named cousin of the podcast. <laughs> <What>? well, <laughs> well, we're still we're airing out the kinks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you will get a meaningless title. <laughs> that is our promise to you. So yeah, now they're they're changing things up, and now it's like uh, you know we're getting title cards here. So it's day one, well, we six had December. Actually, uh, a title card that I neglected to note earlier, but like it's like oh you know meteorological office. Mm, mm-hmm. You know they've they've been like you know chunk chunk the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what this is. This is Law and Order Special Ugh. Weather Unit. <laughs> so boring. <laughs> Yeah, so the radio says that it's real foggy, and it is. Yeah, and we see everybody throwing open their windows and not being able to see anything. Yeah, and I uh, did as I was looking up things. This they used real like fog for this. They tried it with CGI, and it didn't look good. Oh, well, the thing about fog, the thing. Let me. Are you fine? The thing about fog is that it catches the light in a very specific way, okay. which is why it's dangerous to drive in because it just like distorts things. All right. Um, so I can totally see that you wouldn't get good effects from a right. CGI fog. But how you make fog? I mean, it's England. They just ha- how maybe fog it's get their made. primary export. 
<laughs> is that like our cottage you've industry? Never, yeah, you've never had boxed fog? No. <laughs> it's breathtaking. Uh, By which I mean it will it'll take your mouth. No, and I love the, the guy on the tradition. radio is so British. He's like, it's a real pea super. That was cute. I like yeah. that. And we see Mountbatten is so bummed because the airport Aww, is closed. He's so cute. <laughs> I disagree with you. He can't fly you. an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's sad. Like, I half expected him to have like a little toy airplane be like, boom. I know. So Redek. So Redek. All right. So then we finally, oh, about four hours into the show, (laughs) we see the fucking queen. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so frustrated with this show. I mean, my, honestly, I'm like, okay, is Peter Morgan just part of, like, a long scale, like, like those uh, screenwriters and Hail Caesar who were all communists, Uh is he part of, like, a sect of, like, (laughs) anti-monarchists in the arts? And he's like, I'm going to expose the ridiculous boringness of the monarchy (laughs) and the ludicrousness of literally everything they do. Because, I mean, the Queen, the movie The Queen is the same way. Is it? The Queen is a movie. About Michael Sheen being hot, number one. <laughs> and it's also a movie about Helen Mirren as Queen Elizabeth literally taking a two and a half hour movie, whether or not to say anything <laughs> about her daughter-in-law dying in a horrible car accident. Ew. And like, That's they talk about me. Harry and William, but like their whole solution for them to like process their grief is to go shooting. I remember that part. And James Cromwell is uh, Mountbatten. He's a real dick. Yeah. Like, it's very clear that they're like, like Peter Morgan's opinion of him is very uh. much the same in both of mm-hmm. these. But it's like, they don't, and I mean, we get this, like, it's her job to do nothing which I would argue is not a job at all. Like if a if a consultant came in, if like a corporate <laughs> consultant came in, and they're like, "Okay, we need to like cut things out of the budget," they'd be like, "Well, number one, the queen. Like, what is up with this queen situation? I like, get- can I get a productivity report? Like, what is she doing? Well, who pays their salary? The the taxpayers." What the fuck? That's what. That's what we're. And why I, do people like that? Uh, <laughs> because I, I mean, really dig it. I mean, they're essentially like a mascot, and fuck. oh my god, it is kind of mind-boggling to me. Like I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think it. one of the things that I they would. One of the things that they would argue is that a lot of the things that the monarch does is. The, just the same bullshit ceremonial stuff that in our system the president does. Okay. And the prime minister doesn't have to waste as much time on that. Which is fair. I guess. I mean, it's but, sort of like, yeah. I mean, I'm also an anti-monarchist. I don't yeah. want I'm just making the case. Well, but I mean, then just make that, you know, we have ambassadors for a reason. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a lot. And I, uh, I mean, it's like, you know, Britain has had monarchs for such a long time. And it's, but I'm like, eh, I don't know, man. Yeah. That's so odd. I read a lot of science fiction. Like, you guys know none of this matters, right? <laughs> we, got a, we got a human pig embryo right now today. We have way bigger problems. Does a chimera have a soul? <laughs> Can they become queen? Uh. <laughs> I'm serious. I've been and- thinking about Never Let Me Go a lot ever since that story broke. And, of course, Margaret Atwood. But I'm never not thinking about Margaret Atwood. Me neither. But I'm just like, have you read Never Let Me Go? Mm-mm, what that? I don't know. Should that we was- even describe the plot? Like, that's kind of, I don't know. We can do it off air if you yeah. want. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, anyway. But it's, it's, it's the it's question a- of, like, organ harvest and is that ethical? 
Yes. Um, <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we finally see the goddamn queen of England. <laughs> right. I'm still mad. I'm so mad at this show. <laughs> yeah. I could have been watching The Office for the 17th time. <laughs> and instead I watched this bullshit show because I like you guys. Aw, Aw. Yeah. Aww. God. Yeah. So she wants to go see Mary of Tech and they say it's too dangerous to drive. And she <laughs> says there's, then there's only one thing to do. And I wanted her to say, fly. <laughs> Uh, Mom, I've explained this before. You're the Queen of England. Superman is the one that can fly. Oh, dash it all. <laughs> what powers do I have then? Uh, very few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she walks. She walks on foot. What a- followed by a car, which I guess it's not too hard for she that guy to drive. It's like 200 yards to get there. And I'm like, why aren't you walking all the time? <laughs> Where do you think this? fog came from <laughs> you're probably exactly. driving exactly. i know it's post-war but exactly my god. oh god how weird no wait where does mary of tech live don't they all live in the same no, house or every no? every hrh has their own dedicated residence oh, so like before she became the queen she and philip lived at uh clarence house and okay her mom and dad lived at Buckingham Palace. So whoever's the reigning monarch lives in uh, Buckingham Palace. Okay. And then the rest of the residences just get kind of like parsed out. Okay. Depending on That's who fine. everybody is. Yeah. That's dumb, but okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would be your solution? I don't know. One condo. Like Melrose Place. <laughs> All right. Or the LA Complex. Uh, yeah. I was thinking of it more as like a multi-camera sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> That's my queen. That's my queen. That's uh, my, actually, this is my theory on the no sex. I feel like there are some very serious unwritten rules about on-screen oh, portrayal of the royal sex interesting. lives. Interesting. Mm. You yeah. know, that could, that's pretty respectful, I guess. But still. But again, no, but like. Make but, up a queen so I can see your But why? Like, why? Well. Why? I think there was something we were watching the other day that I can't remember what it was, but it was some kind of like biopic about somebody who was still alive and they implied that they had this affair and I was just like so uncomfortable because that person's still alive and yeah. probably didn't have an affair. And I, yeah. gosh, I wish I could remember what it I was. I did too. Cause I'm like, who's this person? <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I don't know. Who was, was it like a new movie or like an old movie? <sighs> I can't tell you anything. Was I don't the, remember. Was it the movie Ray starring James Yes, Fox. it was. <laughs> don't no. you fucking lie to me. <laughs> no. I don't remember what is but that's interesting i bet you're right because i never seen yeah i ain't never seen the queen fuck is like they have like they have really weird rules about that and yet they have the worst paparazzi in the world which is so bananas like it's such a small island and like 25 percent of their population are paparazzos (laughs) that's weird i did watch a good version of this actually i watched this there's this movie called royal night out and it's about it's a f- imagined scenario where Margaret and Elizabeth are out on V Day, uh, oh. and they like sneak into a bar, and they're all they're caught up in like uh-huh. the parades, and, and it's on Netflix. It's, it's I. It's better than this whole show. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Uh, you know what? Actually, it keeps trying to make me watch that. You should watch it. It's, it's a little long, but. It's not bad. I get a little, I get a little like what you know. I know the, you know, 
as a product manager, I support this. But like when people are like, oh, coming up next in 13 seconds, I'm like, can you just give me some room? I need time. I need to read all the recaps. The other day we were watching the Amanda Knox documentary. And as soon as it got done, it's like starting in 13 seconds, Jim Gaffigan's new special. Um, how does that relate? You guys, I have to tell you right now, you have got to watch the Slenderman documentary. No, too scary. It's like really fun at the beginning. And then it gets like very upsetting. Um, uh, but yeah, I can't. Okay. I watched right. it. It was yeah. it was good but horrible. Also, I was going to say, isn't there some show on like E or something that's just all royals fucking? I was going to say, yeah, it's with um uh, Elizabeth Hurley. Mm. But they're fake uh, royals. They, yeah, I don't really care. I think right. she's like a fake version of like the uh the the Sarah Ferguson. Yes, I think that is who you know she's the Sarah <laughs> Fergie. Yeah. Fergie yeah. Sarah of Ferguson. All right, so yeah, she goes to Mary of Text Door just yeah. as she's stubbing out her cigarette. <laughs> As these right. notes I thought, say. did you like this little banter with the... No, because ner- it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't even make any... Like, the, the what they were talking about was not what people are called. Like, I don't get it. I hate yeah, it. it. That's what they're called. That's... That's no, what all but these like, queens are called, dude. What do you mean? What do you say? I'm saying that when Mary of Tech was okay. the queen, she was called Queen Mary. Yes. And she was the queen. Oh, that's right. That's what uh, catalyzed this. Is like She was like, don't call me this. Call Elizabeth that. Call Okay. And look, I, mean, I found this helpful as a recapper. Uh, uh, anyway, no. I thought you would like the bit with the nurse being like, oh, nuns and nurses have the same problem because we're all called sister. No, I couldn't care less. Oh my Is God. that how you're supposed to say that? I think you it's, could. No, I couldn't. No, you ca- couldn't care People less. say I could care less, yeah. and that's wrong. So yeah. I okay. couldn't care any less. Also, are nuns called, or are nurses called sister? In yeah. the London, they are. Yeah. yeah, they are. And in Call the Midwife, which is a show I love. I didn't think of, we should do that now. That if we're, you do that. Now that we're wide open. Yeah. Please do that. Yeah. Though it's years old. I don't think it, anybody I mean, we, would care. I don't care. think we could do, we couldn't do all of a season. I think yeah. we just talk about it please yeah. have whether or not the cousins like me please have me back for call <laughs> the we midwife have a podcast about we it? were gonna have what a podcast when you were drinking uh yeah. where we would drink, drink rosé and it'll be called call the midwine yes. <laughs> oh and i was gonna have that podcast with mimi vilmanay called mine wine yeah <laughs> but you ruined it oh boy um, no, no, I did not find this charming. Although, you know what? I really still want to like, there's like some t-shirt. I can't remember what it is, but it's like a t-shirt that's got a rosé pun. I, it's like, get out of my rosé or something. <laughs> like I don't know. But I'm like, I still want, can I still wear like alcohol-themed shirts? <laughs> I don't know. So that was boo-boo. I All don't right. like that scene. Um, yeah. So Liz hangs out with Mary. Uh, Mary of Tech just only asks that Liz. She's dying of a lung disease again, like, and she's still smoking. Right. So. Old timey people didn't <laughs> know stuff. Uh, so, yeah, basically, Liz's complaint is that the fog has been called an act of God, mm-hmm. but she thought she worked for God, and God <laughs> didn't tell her about it. <laughs> I hate it when God forgets the email. So beautiful, so stupid. Yeah. Uh, so Mary of Tech. She is super dumb. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. The working title for this was the Dumb Queen. Wow. <laughs> The crown syndrome. Oh, that's mean. Don't <laughs> edit that. That's so mean. Oh, that is mean. That's oh, I wasn't so even mean. realizing. That's yeah. so mean. That's I don't really mean, mean that. That's horribly offensive. Yeah. I don't mean that. Okay. Oh, I feel bad. <laughs> it's okay. It's, you know. <laughs> Just Why do we do this podcast live? <laughs> horribly offensive. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. So. Yeah. So Mary of Tech explains that you know she is anointed by God and all this stuff. Um, Liz points out that Matt Bat- Mountbatten doesn't agree and thinks the church and state should be separate. I hate it when the show makes me side with him because I hate <laughs> him so much. Yeah. Uh, but Mary of Tech is like uh, Mountbatten's a nobody. It is the Church of England, not the Church of Denmark, and agrees. Which is like a sick burn. Yeah. But also like, uh, like uh, I think like it's like. The Church of England isn't actually infallible. Like, well, it's and it's also like made up for fucking. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, true. Yeah, not a very like good basis uh, for religion. Actually, I think you'll find that it's about sovereign rights. Okay, <laughs> um, the penis, <laughs> the sovereign rights of fuck. <laughs> Which now that's a show. The Tudors, there's that's fucking like a, in yeah. the Tudors. That, that must be like there's like a gag rule. Like you can't you can't you write about the is. royal family's uh, sex lives until like 500 years later. <laughs> All right. I mean, you can write about Queen Victoria's because she barely had any. But wasn't she super horny? But she wasn't allowed to fuck. But wasn't she like always like, oh, Albert, I miss your dog. I mean, maybe. That we haven't I read watched Young Victoria yet. Ooh, yeah. I wouldn't watch that. Yeah, we know. I mean, we know she was obsessed with Albert. But mm-hmm. but I mean, her the whole thing about the Victorian age, like sexual restriction right. was like the law because of her. Yeah. Right, right. I, I do know that there's strong evidence that the king of Belgium uh, got married and neither he nor his wife had any idea how sex worked and they couldn't ask anybody so <laughs> oh, they asked no. Queen Victoria oh, well that's, that's how so um, I just watched Marie Antoinette again because oh, I love God. that movie <laughs> that movie is such a good movie to put on at a party so you don't have to hear any of the dumb dialogue you can just look I at how pretty it is I love the dumb dialogue oh, because God. so much of it is straight from the Antonia Fraser book oh. and Kirsten Dunst is such a bad actress <laughs> there's a scene where she's like crying and they're like what if we ever face the wall so like I can't see all of it but um i mean but it's the same situation like people didn't know how to have sex mm-hmm. and they couldn't ask anybody they're like uh, and oh like nobody God. nobody could tell them it was just like uh, uh what's the grossest or weirdest royal sex thing you've ever heard i guess that one russian lady who fucked horses who it was <laughs> catherine the great. yeah catherine the great yeah oh is that confirmed or is that just a rumor i think that's just a story that people made up about her but it is a widely known story it was her birth or scandal wow. <laughs> show me the certificate yeah. of horse fucker <laughs> what about you tom can you think of one um not really i mean you'd have to like you'd have to go back to the caesars and then anything you can think of they did so yeah Mine is when it was found out that Prince Charles told Camilla Parker Bowles that he wished he was her tampon so he could be inside her pouch. Oh, God. I cannot look that guy in the face (laughs) and take him seriously because he thought that was a good pickup. Like, sometimes, sometimes I like wish I was more to dirty talk and then I like hear a story like that and I'm like no let's never speak <laughs> let us never say anything so I know royals fuck yeah <laughs> uh, uh, how yeah. little Just, game must he have had like yeah. can you even imagine being princess Diana and being like who's like gorgeous and sexy she's like him <laughs> really Ugh, god Lord. Oh, and she like thought it was a good idea uh, for a minute, and then she was in it, and she was like, "Oh crap! Oh no!" R.I.P. 
Do you think that he was able to like keep going with Camilla because of the whole Margaret group captain Peter Townsend thing? And Queen Elizabeth was like, oh, maybe we should do something slightly different. <laughs> Why don't you marry someone and keep having sex with this, you know, very homely no, I woman think on the side? He's a dude. <laughs> That's it, I think. Dudes. That's it more than anything, I'm so really. I'm tired of you guys getting everything you want. Me when do I get too. everything I want? Me too. I would like something I want. Well, I guess let's see the next four years. <laughs> yes, only. We'll be like, wow, remember 2009? Oh, my God. So. so. We, had, <laughs> we had so many human rights. Yeah. Bored. Uh, yeah. Uh, everything's canceled and disruptive. Uh, visibility is a record low one yard, and apparently it's going to get worse. So that's uh, that's pretty, pretty bad. And they... St- at least still won't like do anything about it. They need to give Churchill time, even if it's time to hang himself. We see a bunch of pedestrians coughing as Venetia Scott <laughs> walks to work, and she's almost hit by a motorbike. This is scary. Like they're shooting it scarily. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's been it's been a cons- there have been scenes shot like a horror movie in basically every episode. Yeah, I mean, and the the soundtrack is definitely part of that. Yeah, so more that, like a that's horror what I'm saying. Movie. I mean, and I don't. I, you know what? Next episode, I'm going to look up Peter Morgan's politics. Okay. And be like, what's your deal, bruh? <laughs> um, she gets the 10 downing and she greets Thurman, uh, who might actually be Collins. I don't know. <laughs> and he's basically the only other staffer who's present. And she goes to find Churchill, but he's not in his study. And then she's peeking at the army photo of him as a young man, a.k.a. her boyfriend. Right. And then he scares the crap out of her. <laughs> And then he says, you know, oh, you know, you shouldn't have come in. You're too valuable to risk our life. And she says that she doesn't, she's like, what's my personal contribution? And she, he says she's, uh, improves everyone's quality of life. You, you give many people here boners. <laughs> yes. Patriotic boners. <laughs> uh, and she is like, oh, I don't want to be like this ornament. You were very accomplished by the time you were my age. And, uh, she tells him that he has asked her to engage in a relationship with a man her own age. So she has been reading his autobiography. And I'm like, did they fuck? Like, was something yeah. left on the cutting room floor here? Right. That's really weird. Because we haven't seen anything weird. I mean, and this was plenty weird. Right. Her having to read his box. Not a <laughs> euphemism. Uh, through the bathroom door. But I mean, that just seemed like a weird power move. Right, right. And it's like, have they had some sort of flirtation? Like, it's very unclear what that was about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Odd. Like, or was it just him being like, hey, you work too much. Go be with people that are Or they just made it up in this episode to justify the conclusion (laughs) that they're heading towards. Why he cares about her at all. Spoiler alert, Tom hates the conclusion of this episode. So very much. Yeah. Um, and then it ends with a shot of, cause she's like quoting him and it's this bizarre shot, like from above of giant Winston <laughs> Churchill, like hearing his own words. He looks, he looks like a cartoon dog that's yeah. sad. Like it was just so ridiculous. <laughs> like droopy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if I was, if I was making a cartoon dog based on Winston's Churchill, it would be like a big, uh, English bulldog named yeah. Jowly. Aww. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> that sounds 
<laughs> well, we've got our target audience right here. I'll watch it. All right, check it out. It's a cartoon show for kids about World War II, but everyone's dogs. Yay! And the Nazis are cats. Uh, could we make them like ferrets or something? I feel like we're going to alienate the pro-cat contingent. Yeah, ferrets are horrible. They are. Oh, man, I forget whose tweet it was, but somebody tweeted the other day. I think it was Allison Mick. Oh, I love was her. like, uh, hey, ferret owners, pick a duck, pick a cat or a snake. You can't have both. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Allison Nick impression. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Oh, she cracks me up. She I think gave she's me the best hug the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Champion hugger. <laughs> oh, man. So you can look forward to that on our podcast. Yeah. Yes. You'll, you'll sense it. Like, you'll yeah. know. <laughs> uh, so Venetia Scott's alarm clock goes off. <sighs> it is day two, 7th of December, 1952. A day which will live... Uh, in, in boringness. Only, only on this show. Yeah. No one cares. <laughs> the fog is continuing and the radio is trying uh, to keep everybody up to date. And Churchill is facing public criticism for his failure to respond at all, even to just say, uh, we have seen that there is a fog. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, we see more people opening their curtains, and uh, Venetia Scott's roommate is now coughing up a lung. Slut. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't think you need to cough or slut shame. <laughs> I think that sales for your electro t- uh, electro trance album are dropping like a stone. One star reviews. One star reviews. Um. So. Venetia Scott's like trying to help her out, but she's like, no, I'm fine. Go to work. I'm British. You know, I'll, I'll get help when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Churchill's giving his briefing to Liz and uh, he- I'm so happy we started calling her Liz. Mm-hmm. It cute. reminds me of Buddy Cole on Kids in the Hall. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that they call her Lilibet, even though that's the weirdest, most convoluted like nickname. <laughs> and since- it's so German. I mean, but they were a German family. Yeah. Right? Although I also wondered if it was just one of those like childhood mispronunciations. That's still- oh, oh, see, that's yeah, what that's I was kind of thinking. Too. Yeah. Like she I said her was. own name, Lilibet. Yeah. That's so cute. I'm Little a baby, baby queen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, baby, the queen. <laughs> queen babies, queen there's baby. only one of you. <laughs> <laughs> queen babies, I guess there's Margaret too. <laughs> baby group captain Peter Townsend, except he'd be like their babysitter. I know. You said <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He ain't even that cute. Oh, I very much disagree <laughs> with you. Okay. Wow. As Red Scott said, everybody wants to fuck cap- group Captain Peter Townsend. <laughs> Except for you. Continuing no. your complete diametrical opposition to everything. I'm glad we got a contrarian take on this show. Though. No, I think it's great. Yeah, because I, mean, I am pretty neutral on it. Like, I like it better nah. than you, obviously. But, like, yeah. I'm just like, eh. It's a, it's a period drama. Look, yeah. I'll watch boring shows. I love Mad Men. So, <laughs> I'll watch a boring show. But this show didn't do anything for me. All right. And um, much like Churchill's non-response to the fog, <laughs> I am non-responsive to this show. Yeah. Uh, Liz grows concerned that Churchill does not seem to be mentioning anything about the fog. Um, Despite the fact that the room is practically <laughs> right. nighttime. Yeah. And Churchill's like, it's fog. What the fuck? I don't care. Um, and she reminds him about some old complaints about having the power stations in the city. And Churchill was doesn't care um and she also says that her husband's mood is intolerable because he can't learn to fly so cute (laughs) (laughs) but i like how she thinks she's just like she's just like making small talk (laughs) and he gets really serious about it yeah 
Uh, yeah. So and you, I'm like, let him go. I hate this guy. <laughs> yeah. We should be so lucky for him to die in a plane crash. Right. But it's also like, it's such like the analogous to complaining about SNL when the world is on fire. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it shouldn't be flying. <laughs> yeah. Alec Baldwin is a joke. <laughs> well, it was because I think he said something about how he's supposed to be producing the future air or something. Yeah. And he already did. Yeah. From a constitutional perspective, we <laughs> Who don't would need later this go on anymore. to wish to be a tampon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope they never show Charles again on this show. <laughs> That's all I'm going to be able to think of. Yes. <laughs> also, she could just marry some other dude. Um, anyway. Really? What if he died? Yeah, if he died. Okay. Yeah, it'd be yeah. fine. Husbands are a diamond. She could marry group captain Peter Townsend for Hero. all we care. <laughs> That'd be weird, though. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, I guess you could get injured and have some kind of Matthew Crawley mysterious <laughs> impotence disease, but and then die in a car crash inexplicably uh... and go on to star in the live action Beauty and the Beast. I know he looks handsome in that, but he's so much older than Emma Watson. Like it's kind of icky. That's how Hollywood works. Small. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, I don't either. Oh. I'm still mad about Matthew Crawley dying, to be quite honest. <laughs> We're all still yeah, mad about Matthew sure. Crawley dying. Oh, yeah. I rewatched God. all of the Christmas specials over Christmas, <sighs> and I was like, this is so dumb. There it is, is so dumb. There is more sex in Downton Abbey than there is in this bullshit show. Well, none of those people was an actual reigning monarch. <sighs> Although they did talk about... Uh, yeah, David. you were saying that. They talked uh-huh. about his sex life. Yeah, yeah. Um, in that one Christmas special where that letter comes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Yeah. They just saved the monarchy from... Although that was like, that was pro staying out of their business, so... Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, Mrs. Dudley Ward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah. he says, don't let him fly. Then we're on to December 8th. Yeah. A day which will live. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The fog is worsening. And they can't stop producing sulfur dioxide from burning coal. Can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) And Venetia Scott's uh, roommate is still coughing and sobbing. And uh, she insists on getting her to the hospital. And they head off through the awful fog. They have, uh, you know, uh, anonymous masks on. <laughs> and uh, the roommate's ma- name is Mary, we learn. Of course. Maybe we learned this before. Yeah. Uh, not to be confused with either Queen Mary. <laughs> uh, Mary can't breathe. And there's glass being smashed. People are shouting. Everything is very confusing. And people are wearing surgical masks and holding hankies over their faces. So it's like walking through Chinatown in San Francisco. <laughs> I was waiting for a SARS yeah. joke. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> Although, honestly, everybody who still wears surgical masks, uh, you know, they're going to be alive once the biological warfare starts. Uh, so. Joke's on us. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we died looking cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, again, the cabinet is bothering Churchill <laughs> with an official inquiry. <laughs> As if he can stop weather. <laughs> yeah. And he Ugh. insists. See, this is where he loses his, his moral high ground. Because he insists that, no, what's more important is Mountbatten learning to fly. Oh, I know. Well, like I said, it's just quibbling while the world burns. I mean, not that, again, not that there's anything you could do about the weather. But it's just like, 
Now is not the time. I would just like to posit my theory, which is that human beings suck <laughs> at literally everything. Like, that was my takeaway from Westworld. My takeaway See? from all of human history is, like, who gave us the keys to this thing? Like, when people are talking about, like, when people talk about, like, oh, like, God entrusted the earth to us. And I'm like... What part of anything that's ever happened <laughs> indicates to you that anyone's been doing a good job with this? Yeah. Like, people really think human beings are a good thing for this planet. No. And I agree with Agent Smith from The Matrix <laughs> that human beings are a virus. That's mm. that's the lesson of growing up, is that you just realize <laughs> that everybody, Winston Churchill, the president, everybody oh. who's ever lived was just a dumb idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. none of them knew what they were doing. Oh. I'm so crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Oh, Lord. All right. So that's all right. We got the internet and everything. Like, that's cool. uh, I mean, you know what? And I've eaten some really good food recently. I was going to say hot Cheetos with lime. Uh, <laughs> those uh, contradict your theory there, man. Strawberry sour belts. Okay. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, this is where your friend Bobbity comes so in. So the now. guy with the marked RP RW substitution is named fucking well, Bobbity. Yeah. Uh, somebody who says, uh, I'm trying to, let me just find something to read <laughs> like with that. But it's like, so where there would be an R, yeah. he says W's. And where there's a W, he would say an R. So he's the Marquess of <laughs> Salisbury. Like Aww. the Archbishop in The Princess Bride yeah, yeah. is an example of this. And it's um, like, this extreme, like it's, it's gotta be an affect. Yeah. You would think. Like yeah. it's either, like I, it's hard. Well, I, it's, I have to it's, look because it, it's either, it's either a speech impediment that became an affect or an affect that became <laughs> a speech impediment. Like, yeah. There, I know. Are, there are people who have, like yeah. legitimately have that, but it's also like very common in the British upper class. Yeah. yeah it's also a status thing. I know yeah, that I think so. in, um, like the 1800s, the British cavalry would speak that way, but the infantry would not. Yeah, I listened to a horrible free audiobook of Pride and Prejudice one time where the the Mr. narrator Collins. no oh. the oh. the oh. narrator had this voice for uh, Carolyn Bingley so she'd be like Mr. Darcy Mr. Darcy <laughs> Mr. Darcy <laughs> so dumb uh, I will say the British accents in the audiobook version of the Royal We top notch <laughs> <laughs> well I do love the very posh British accent because I guess I watch mostly British comedy shows where yeah, it's pretty it's, like yeah, lower yeah. accent mm-hmm. so the posh accent is like very fun to hear mm-hmm. it's uh, crisp yeah or crisp very nice crisp <laughs> <laughs> oh, so crisp it was so crisp <laughs> when we All heard right. them talking so wait so the Marquis of Sawwoy uh, so yeah he gets a call from Greg Wise uh, who is Emma Thompson's baby daddy Oh, mm-hmm. oh, that's nice. Yeah, they hooked up on the set of Sense and Sensibility. That's lovely. Yeah, it is great. <laughs> she's much older than he is. Ooh, girl, mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. it, Etops. I feel like she's like the British Carrie Fisher. I love her. Yeah, but I don't think she's a writer. But you mean just in terms of being sassy frass? Yeah, like just like the 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 space that she occupies. Okay, in people's hearts and minds. I feel it. Yeah, I love her. She is a writer, though. Is she really? Yeah. I mean, she's definitely written screenplays. I don't know if she's written books. Dang. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I underestimate I mean, her. I'm sure she has written a book because she doesn't hate money. Women can be writers, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even though they don't name hurricanes after us exclusively, <laughs> we can still do things. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> so the Marquis of Salisbury 
is calling for Greg Wise, and he's playing charades. Yeah. Oh, this fucking guy doesn't do anything useful. <laughs> and uh, it's Bobbity, and he wants to know if he's alone. So he's got some very sensitive info <sighs> to share. It's just phone sex. <laughs> That's why they cut away. <laughs> oh, um, man. Oh, Bobbity. Yeah. <laughs> Bobbity. So at the hospital, Venetia Scott asks the doctor what he needs, and he's all stressed and whiny, and he says they need money and people and trained staff. Venetia says that she can put in a word with the prime minister, and the doctor's like, Psh, whatever, which is a perfectly reasonable response. It is. I mean, why would you expect that? Yeah. But I still... I like this scene. I did love this. I loved her reaction to this scene. I was yeah. like, oh, Venetia Scott, she's the feminist we need on this show. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, bad news about that. Yeah. So she walks off to Downing well, Street. Wait, I was imagining her coming back with uh, Winston Churchill in tow being like, big mistake. Huge. <laughs> Huge prime minister. Uh, do you know who I am? Do you know Do you know who he is? Do you remember me? <laughs> she has a hat. <laughs> uh, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Uh, yeah. You like apples? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of things being cut off. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Venetia <laughs> Scott uh, gets run down by a bus. Which I, I was totally shocked by it. I was as well. And they, it's... In retrospect, so clear what they did because I was totally set up that it was going to be a roommate that died. And oh, yeah. that's what I was waiting for. And then, yeah, they, they, they caught me. They murked her. Yeah. Straight up <laughs> greased Venetia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although one thing that is ridic- among the other things that are ridiculous is, uh, why was she hit by a bus? There were no buses running yeah. because of the fog. Uh, Narrative economy? Oh, God. Yeah. I think we've learned narrative economy trumps literally everything in Britain. Lord. And what the fuck... Have, I, I guess it was some private bus or whatever, but what the <laughs> fuck is this driver doing? Like, well, I can't see one yard in front of this bus. Pedal to the metal. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> uh, well, I think this definitely... Uh, you know, clearly not based on a real person. Yeah. yeah. Because clearly this uh, would not have happened in this way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet there's no plucky heroines in the street. <laughs> 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 or like honk. Like, <laughs> fucking honk. Also, she has said previously crossing the street is taking your life in your hands. Look both ways, bitch. Look even one way. <laughs> Look the way that the bus is coming. Oh, my God. Anyway, we should probably stop victim blaming this fictional character. Yes. <laughs> if we we live in a bus culture, so yeah. <laughs> I'm so uh, sick of this PC bus culture. <laughs> Buses are people oh, too. Man. <laughs> so bus we lives see- matter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is a real groaner of a podcast today, guys. Lord, oh man. See, Collins is badgering Atley and reminding him that Churchill calls him a sheep in sheep's clothing, which is nah. like not even that witty. Sounds cozy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a warm ass sheep. That's a cozy fleecy thing to be. Although, is that like a is that like a the Buffalo Bill of sheep? It's <laughs> <laughs> a sheep in a sweater. It's so gross. <laughs> Being like, you don't have to kill a sheep to get its skin. Uh, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway uh he just imprisons them until shearing time and then they're free to go they just feel better uh atley agrees to put a motion down on paper and brief the whips which is i quick brief the whips everyone is that like ghost riding the whip or no, no. is that different okay I think it cool. is different. different whip cool yeah. All right, Liz Queenbox is delivered. That's right. She gets a Queen Box. Queen Box. Yeah. 
And Mountbatten is being annoying because he can't fly and can't think of anything he's else so cute. to do. No, he's the most annoying <laughs> he's like a person. Puppy. No, he isn't. With a butt. What is wrong with you? This is like how some people see color differently. <laughs> we perceive Matt Smith differently. Well, I don't think he's cute anywhere else. I just think he's cute here. Like, I like the part when they're in the Africa episode and he, like, takes a little kid driving. Like, that's cute as fuck. No? All right. I mean, that was, like, briefly humanizing. <laughs> yeah. Be cute, I thought. But, okay. Yeah. So he's being annoying because he's restless because he wants to fly his plane. Uh, yeah. Doesn't need to mean that he needs to be a child. Yeah. Well. Um, and he wants to read her top secret stuff. Yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> it's like couples do. They try to read. They try to get in your business and you can't let them. No? Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, anyway, Greg Wise shows up. He uh, is there to see Liz. Liz says to ignore Mountbatten and his whininess. <laughs> Uh, and he explains that Churchill has lost support and that she should summon Churchill and put him out of his misery, uh, which she does not think she's allowed to do, which is more or less my understanding as well. Um, but then, but, but then Mountbatten reminds her that, oh yeah, he made us like move and change our name, which was. Well, this the- is actually Lord Mountbatten is saying that. Oh, oh, Look, right. I knew this would happen. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Yeah. Um, which is, of course, the worst thing that has ever happened to anybody mm-hmm. when they had to change their last name. Um, or rather, they didn't have to change their... Oh right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess, I mean, this is the only part of the show that I think is kind of an interesting dynamic to play with. Like, in the 1950s, you know, your husband would be the head of your house and mm-hmm. be in charge of you. So this is like the one situation where mm-hmm. it's politically not. And yeah. you have to fight against that dynamic. But it's only interesting for like a second. And then I wish there was sex in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, let's see that like, I'm dynamic. You can't have sexism without sex. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Then what happens? Next? Yeah. Well, they do uh, say that Churchill brought up Mountbatten's flying to the cabinet, which was indeed. Well, I mean, actually, I think okay. Consider any constitution is just a document written up by some idiots a long time ago. <laughs> Right? Right. Sure. And I think we can all agree that old-timey people didn't know stuff. Yes. No. So this is actually, I think, a very clever maneuver on his part where he's like, yeah, okay, look, the fog, <laughs> unavoidable, his big issue that he wanted to discuss with Cabinet is your husband flying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that is a ridiculous thing totally. to do. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So a dude explains to Churchill that Venetia Scott is dead, and he's like, I'm going to the hospital because a beautiful woman is dead. <laughs> uh, again, priorities, Winston Churchill. <laughs> and then Tommy the Mustache arrives okay. to talk to Liz. Who is this? This is like the advisor? He's the yeah. head of their household. Yeah. Oh, okay, I was yeah. wondering, when I was listening to you talk about it earlier, I didn't know who you're talking about. <laughs> so she okay. wants advice on how to solve a problem like giant Winston Churchill. <laughs> Uh, you know, how do you catch a fog and pin it down? <laughs> uh, she asks what her responsibilities are as head of state with regard to Winston Churchill sucking at his job. So he says, he explains the story of Anthony Eden coming on that shooting holiday to be that like, hey, funny. King, I would like for you to make me prime minister. And the King <laughs> being like, uh, bitch, please. And uh, he said, you know, that both uh, King Lane Price and King Lane Price's father uh, would not overstep the mark as far as that's concerned. So I guess King Lane Price's father is that guy who hit him with a cane. No, he's uh, he Dumbledore was, in he the first two Harry Potter movies. Black woman. Hmm? What? What? Hmm? <laughs> we were doing yeah. two different references. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Tommy the Mustache actually says, look, this situation is different. You're a different monarch. 
if you want to intervene, that's up to you. Uh, which seemed briefly hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> almost interesting. It seemed like something might happen. That's the promise of the show is that it won't. <sighs> so yeah, Churchill gets to the hospital. It's all in chaos. Chaos. He is sad to see the corpse of the pretty woman. Although she looks great for being hit by a bus. Really? On, there's like no blood. Her face looks fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude says that the queen has requested an audience. Uh, and Churchill quotes <laughs> Venetia Scott quoting him while standing by her corpse. More inception. Yeah. And says to let the newspapers know that he is there and tell the queen that he will arrive the following morning. Uh, so we see Churchill dashing off a speech as the press descend on the group. And a dude says that they're ready. He enters too many flashbulbs and reads his statement, uh, conflating the scenes of the hospital with the darkest days of the Blitz, which I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't there. Uh, he authorizes additional resources for staff and equipment and orders a public inquiry about air pollution, which is all the cabinet wanted him to do in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to the paper arriving for Mountbatten the next day, basically. So it's like we're seeing this happen plus people like reading about it the next day. Um, he tells Liz about it. The headline is true leader in a crisis. And uh, Churchill has arrived at the palace at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. <laughs> this is so funny. I thought this part was funny. Oh, yeah. Because we see Collins reading the article to Atlee over the phone, and he just, like, puts the receiver down. Oh. And then he puts the paper down, and then he just, like, angrily smokes his pipe and then hangs up. <laughs> no, I was talking about how I guess we're at this point where she is going to be mad at him, and then she, like, midstream decides that she's going to ask him a bullshit question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which we'll get to in a moment, because it's time for the Ooh. second of our recurring segments. Yay! Mm-hmm. Tom repeats history with her very own healthcare hooligan, Tom. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Um, so, yeah, I was researching the National Health Service, uh, and honestly, there's not a lot of interesting stuff about it, for real, but... <laughs> Um, and also, really, because that didn't stop the weather segment. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was interesting. <laughs> uh, it's just, just busting your chest. Why you gotta hate this show? <laughs> you can hate the crown. They'll be hating up yours downstairs. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, and also a lot of the background to it I covered in one of the Downton Abbey episodes. Uh, talking about sort of the precursor and the way the medical system was then. Mm. So if you want to know more about the background, figure out which episode that was and listen to it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was uh, the National Health Service Act of 1946, uh, which, among other things, I just liked this fact. Uh, one of the things that was folded into the National Health Service, a pre-existing thing, was the Board of Control for Lunacy and Mental Deficiency. Ooh. I would like to visit that board. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> You're hired. That was the job. <laughs> uh, there were, uh, it's all the same thing. They, there were technically separate acts to set it up in Scotland, and Northern Ireland, because the UK is weird. Um, and kind of what did happen during the war was that uh, voluntary hospitals, which were the sort of – like Dr. Uh, Carson's was a voluntary hospital right. that were kind of funded locally. Uh, they kind of became dependent on government spending during the war, and it was clear that some kind of shakeup needed to be happening uh, regardless. And the Labor Party had been pushing for universal health care for uh, 20, 30 years at this point, <laughs> yeah. So – Oh, also a fun fact, the British Medical Association uh, opposed this because 
doctors always oppose this sort of thing <laughs> because doctors are secretly kind of bad people as uh, a group. Well, they do benefit greatly from the suffering of others. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, oh, calling out doctors. <laughs> oh, Next time I go to the doctor. <laughs> oh, where you sit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you think my doctor is. No, I wanted to be like like an older Jewish man. He's like, Kelly, I have one thing to tell you before we're done with your pap smear. Or what you said. <laughs> Better wash your back. I like that my older Jewish doctor calls it a pap smear. Like it's something you put on a bagel. He does. He, yeah. I'd like a pap smear on a sesame bagel. Yeah. With lots. Everything. Uh, yeah. Sorry, it, yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, oh. the guy who pushed it through once Atlee won election, the labor took control was Anurin Bevan, commonly known as Nye Bevan. Nope. And he's, <laughs> <laughs> this commoner says nope. Yeah. Who actually, um, for his role in this and just in general, uh, left wing policies was named on a list of 100 Welsh heroes. He was named number one. Oh. <laughs> that also explains his ridiculous name. Yeah. That he was from Wales. <laughs> yeah. Where's Richard Burton on this list? <laughs> I can't tell you. I only know that I was like, I read, hey, I read number one. I don't need to know the rest. That's true. Like, you don't live in Wales. Oh, my goodness. All the other Welshies can fuck off. <laughs> oh, what about Russell T. Davies? <laughs> who that? Uh, he's the guy who rebooted Doctor Who. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Him. Eh. <laughs> Still ambivalent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it took effect July 5th, 1948, uh, and was fr- everything was free. Um, and then in 1952, they were having, they were, you know, spending was higher than they thought. So they started charging for dentures and spectacles, which led Bevan to resign from the government. Oh, wow. I have had it with these overpriced dentures and spectacles. I've had it with these motherfucking spectacles (laughs) on this motherfucking health plan. (laughs) Oh. Uh, so when Churchill took over and the conservatives, of course, they added more charges, uh, for prescription drugs specifically. Uh, and they also commissioned the Gibald report, which was basically like one of these, like, go find all the waste in this healthcare system so we can convince people to dismantle it. Mm. Uh, and the report came back and said that there was basically no waste and it was fine. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty mm. much, that was pretty much the last time anybody really tried to, like, end the National Health Service. Uh, and so that, that gets us to the present day, but I did come across one more anecdote. Ooh. In 1956, uh, there was this guy, John Bodkin Adams, who was a doctor. Odds my Bodkins. Yes. Uh, also, serial killer. Ooh. At least, like, he, he was never, uh, officially convicted of it, but many of his patients died Whoa. and left their possessions to him in their will. Oh no. Yes. Uh, however, the government, like, interfered in his murder trial to get him acquitted on the grounds that other doctors would then think that they could be charged with murder for, like, making medical mistakes, and they what? would all quit, and then the National <laughs> Health Service would, like, Wait. fold. Like, I would like to reiterate that people have never been good at a single goddamn thing except for hot Cheetos with lime and strawberry sour belts. Agreed. Oh, no. Yeah. I would watch a show about that guy. I would, too. I had never heard of this. That's it was awesome. like... Yeah. yeah. Get on that, stars. <laughs> Sounds right up your alley. When like, that we, show like will like not be that great, but... When are we going to have like a super good Jack the Ripper show? That's what I want to know. Uh, Probably never. People really struggle to make anything good out of that. I'm so interested. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. I'm just Look, putting that out into the universe. They, uh, I'd rather see like a really good adaptation of The Alienist by Caleb Carr. Ooh. That'd be good. That yeah. sounds yeah. interesting. It's very good. Yeah. Hmm. I'm surprised nobody busted out a Devil in the White City thing at any point. Yeah, I am You know too. what? They, uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was attached at one point. Oh, yeah. I think oh. to play Holmes. Okay. Um, Ooh. Not to be confused with Sherlock. Right. Uh, the evil Holmes. Yeah, I think, yeah, but I think it's been like development hell for yeah. a long time. Ooh. Makes sense. I mean, that would be hard to do it because it's like, are you adapting both parts of it? Yeah. Because it's like, it's an architecture mystery, but also this crazy <laughs> dude, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that would be good. It would be a good mini series. I would watch that. But it's cheesy. like, I feel like you would really struggle with, um, I feel like you would really struggle to convince, you know, John and Jane uh TV watcher that those two <laughs> things needed to be in a mini series together. Like, well, why? Why come is the man with the bodies in the walls? Why come isn't he at the World's Fair? <laughs> he'd, be good, he'd be good at it. He builds things. Yeah, you know. I'm it's, into it. Well, it's just a family thing. Like the serial killing for the grown-ups and then architecture for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for the kids. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. So uh, there's, there's more opera as Churchill picks. Oh, that was oh, the end of that? Yeah, sorry. that was it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Tom. Thank You're welcome. You. <laughs> <clears throat> More opera. See, there should have been more murder in your weather thing. <laughs> I'm sorry that people who are meteorologists aren't murdering. Well. Anyway, more. <laughs> As Churchill picks lint off of his jacket, that was an important <sighs> character moment. <laughs> so he goes in to see, well, he's waiting to see Liz, and she's waiting for him looking very pensive, and the sun breaks through the damn fog, and Churchill smiles like he did it. And he comes in and Liz says that she needs to discuss the delicate matter of his position as prime minister. But then we cut to Churchill recounting this conversation with Clementine, who I still love. Yeah, me too. Um, And he said that she hesitated and then asked about seating for some state dinner. So cute. (laughs) And apparently he's like, she switched tack in this ingenious way because it made him switch tack. And uh, then we cut back to Liz talking to Mary of Tech, saying that Cabinet now says that Philip can fly, but he has to get their approval before doing barrel rolls <laughs> and a variety of other things. Which I'm like, yeah, he's who's gonna who's gonna tell Cabinet? Yeah, Group Captain Peter Townsend. <laughs> we know that fucker can keep a secret. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Arrest him? He's in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta adhere to guys, sky law. Guys, at that point. <laughs> guys, new TV show, Sky Cops. Sky Cops. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch. That. It's an operatic soundtrack that's like <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> no, that's that's how the that's in the opening credits. It starts off with that, and then the electric guitar yeah. cuts in. <laughs> uh, so Liz asks Mary of Tech, "What if the fog hadn't lifted?" And I'm like, "Bitch, just, just you don't have a mind for complex <sighs> thought. Don't go here." <laughs> But uh, Mary of Tech says that it is exactly right for the head of state to never do anything, uh, which I think is literally insane. <laughs> but she's not entitled to have a position as sovereign. And like, then why? Yeah. Why do we have it? Like, I we know. could just look at the crown and be like, "Remember when people used to wear that? <laughs> that was weird." Yeah, they had big houses and stuff, and uh, yeah. you know, they didn't do anything. Yeah, just say the the Queen of England is this crown. It's not going to get any sex scandals. It's not going to honestly. You know, that is like a solid point. It's not going to dress up like a Nazi. <laughs> oh boy! Right? People Ooh. have really forgiven Prince Harry for that, Which? and I don't think we should have. Yeah. Eh. Which one would you bang? Oh, William Doy. 
Yeah, I, I used to be pretty confident about that too. Although but he's William, not aging William's well. not aging. Like he looked way more like Lady Di when he was younger, <laughs> and now you're like, oh, there's Charles. There he is. Ooh. Oh dear. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, it's like, it's like a spell, you know, like yeah. you were born a royal and you're going to become a royal one day. I, I don't think there's any royals that I would bang. Like even like the hot ones from like the Mediterranean area. But just, they've all been inbred so much. They just don't look good. Kate Middleton. Yeah, I would bang Kate Middleton. I, me too. She's beautiful. But I mean, she, was, you know, oh she wasn't God. royal by birth. So. I understand. I was reading an old magazine the other day and it had pictures of when uh, Princess Charlotte was born. Mm-hmm. And she is like born at six o'clock in the morning and Kate Middleton is out in front of the palace. Oh my God, with she looks so good. At three o'clock in the afternoon. Her vagina must hurt so <laughs> bad. That's all I could think. Like she looks beautiful. They probably like strapped an ice pack up there. She's got to have like a glove like with ice mm-hmm. in there because that's what you can't like that's inside of her smile is her vagina is hurting like a I mother. I just want to say that I'm like, really literally looking forward like- <laughs> to the royal we because you know they're going to talk about that shit. I would love that. I would love that too. I want to know. Like yeah. I, if I was like if there was ever footage of me like curtsying in front of her I would be like alright blink twice if your vagina hurt real bad <laughs> in that picture. Like okay cool we're done. We got it. <laughs> I got what I came for. <laughs> That is a weird thing to want, but I support I you. just, I want to know. <laughs> uh, I want some confirmation. Yeah. So anyway, Liz walks away from this conversation with Mary of Tech, looking even more depressed than she looked previously. Yeah. <sighs> she, she, Mary of Tech just being like, no, this is right. It's going to be this boring forever. Mm-hmm. Your life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Mountbatten wants to get his wings in like three months and they're... Uh, back up over the English countryside, and he suggests that they have luncheon. Teacher says every time a fog lifts, <laughs> a royal gets his wings. Uh. Yeah, and Mountbatten suggests that they have lunch in Edinburgh. What? <laughs> I mean, he is the Duke of it. That's right. romantic. And it's unfortunate <laughs> that they're in a plane because they can't just both like jump up and freeze frame for the end. Yeah. Of the I mean, I think that's implied. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we get texts saying uh, statistics about the Great Smog that yeah. they used to think it was 3,500 to 4,000 people, and now they think it's like 12,000, which Mostly is a lot of people. because of buses. <laughs> <laughs> and no honking. <laughs> Lord. Yeah. It was one of those uh, horn uh, decommissioning fogs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's my issue with this episode. Okay. It was so, I mean, okay, first of all, this is not what happened at all. There was no particular political controversy at the time with how he was responding. But what this show presupposes <laughs> is maybe there was. Yeah. But it just, it's such a cheap way to resolve this made up conflict to have, you know, like, oh, it's just foggy to lift. Surely it's not going to affect somebody I care about. And then it affects somebody he cares about and he changes his whole policy because of it. I mean, I that's no way to run a government. I actually care about her. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought this fog would kill any attractive people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> how many of those 12,000 were attractive? Because that changes the number. Yeah. To <laughs> well, be quite honest. Yeah. yeah, where's those? Where's the news that matters? <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. Ah, what a fucking slog through the fog. Was like, <laughs> slog through the fog. Oh well, man! We appreciate your your slogging. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, thank uh, you for having me. Where else can people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Serious Molly. Uh, 
You're so serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only person that likes any of my tweets. I hope your tweets are great. So Thank everybody <laughs> on this pod or who listens to this, get into it. Yeah. Her, yeah. Oh, you will look because your tweets are always like esoteric, like <laughs> British canon <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, yes, this is a great Shakespeare joke. Yeah. So and everybody uh, else is like, the world's on fire. And I'm like, how about yours? That's the way I like yeah. it. And I never get bored. Hey now. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Smash yeah, My Merchant of Venice tweet did not get the respect it deserved yesterday. <laughs> it was, was that only yesterday? No, it was like two days ago. Okay. But so like, follow although, me. Honestly, every day feels like a week right now. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, oh and my then God. I also have a podcast called Failure to Launch. Uh, we talk about shows that only lasted one season. And uh, yeah. Those yeah, are the two and there's a lot of we were on it. We we talked that's about right. Andy Richter PI, that's which right. we love. Yeah, and that's right. You should love also. <laughs> yeah. So check that out, and we'll be back next week with more Crown, whether Molly likes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out. <laughs>